Is this working? Yeah, it's working. Oh, good morning, all saints. Morning, kids work. That's when they say good morning back. <laughs> it's nice to see you all here. I've got to say, this is the first time I'm preaching with scaffolding right there. Um, but that's okay, because the church is the people. But it's easy for me, as a children's worker at church, uh, to treat church as just a job. And I guess it's easy for lots of us to treat church just like any other organization. We might talk about membership. Uh, There's often politics to navigate. Uh, Maybe you're here this Sunday morning because it's just what you do on a Sunday. Maybe someone's asked you to come. Kids, maybe someone's made you come this morning. To be honest, church is actually, it could just be a book club with one big book. uh, Or it could be beavers or a brass band, or a basketball team. But the deepest reality is that church is a group of people who know that they are sinners, that's why we said the confession, who have been forgiven and reconciled to God the Father through Jesus the Son, and now by the Holy Spirit are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. Christians are family. We are family. I have never been here before, but I am part of your family. And the letter to Philemon, it's only short. We've heard the whole thing read out in one go. Thank you, Martha, for reading so well. Um, It's a wonderful, beautiful, lived-out example of that deep gospel truth that all God's people are together brothers and sisters in Christ. So, faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. In fact, I'm going to have it on screen. There we go. Faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. If, that's, if there's one thing that I want you to remember from Philemon this morning that I think is worth remembering, it's that. And that's a lovely photo of all Saint, the All Saints family from a few years ago, which I found online. You guys are a family, and faith in Christ changes how we relate to each other. So, let's ask for God's help as we learn from his word to us in this little letter, Philemon. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you hear our prayers. As we look at this ancient letter from the early church, We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us today, both as individuals and as a church family. Please help me to preach faithfully and clearly. Please would your word open our eyes to see just how amazing your gospel is and how it completely changes who we are and how we relate to each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus for our good and for your glory. Amen. Okay. We've heard the whole letter read out, but in case you missed it, this is a letter from Paul to Philemon about a guy called Onesimus. Okay? Paul, he's the letter's writer. He was a Pharisee who specialized in persecuting Christians and having them killed until God, Jesus, saved him and made him an apostle. And Paul had the special job of leading and teaching the early church as a traveling missionary and church planter. 
but he also wrote a lot of letters which are now part of the Bible, including this one. Now, it seems Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Did you notice in verse 1, if you've got it open, page 1200, the very first verse, Paul says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Later in the letter, he says he's an old man and in chains for the gospel. So Paul is probably writing this letter with the help of Timothy, we get that from verse 1-2, while under house arrest in Rome. But he's hoping to get out soon by the look of verse 22. Have a look right at the end of the letter. One more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Because that's Paul. We've got Philemon. He's the letter's recipient. And Paul considers him a dear friend and fellow worker. He must be a local Christian leader because the church meets in his home. Like if he was at All Saints Wandsworth, whilst this was all going on, we'd be in Philemon's house. He'd host us. And in verse 19, Paul writes that Philemon, have a look at verse 19, find it kind of right-hand side, lower, halfway down. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I'll pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. We think that means that Paul, uh, Philemon was converted by Paul. He became a follower of Jesus through Paul. And Philemon is full of faith in Jesus and love for all God's people. So Philemon is a good, godly, gospel guy. If Philemon were here, you'd want him as one of your elders. Yeah? That's the kind of guy we're thinking about. Now, lots of writers think Philemon lived in Colossae. In fact, it's a fair bet that uh, Paul sent this letter to Philemon with his friend Tychicus, along with the longer letter to the Colossians. Okay, background. Who's the third person? Onesimus. Onesimus was Philemon's slave. And it seems he ran away. And based on verse 18, he might have stolen something from him before he legged it. Philemon must have thought Onesimus was pretty useless. But ironically, his name, Onesimus, means useful. But somehow or other, Onesimus met Paul after running away and became a believer in Jesus. In verse 10, Philemon is called Paul's son. And so Onesimus became not only useful to Paul in his ministry, but very dear to Paul as a brother in the Lord. Okay, that's the setting. Everyone with me? Kids at the back. Okay. The thing is, Philemon has no idea that this has happened to Onesimus. Philemon's over here. Onesimus has legged it. Philemon's got no idea Onesimus has become a Christian. That's the situation. Now let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes. Under Roman law, Onesimus belonged to Philemon as his slave, as his property. Moreover, Onesimus has probably wronged Philemon in some way. So what should Paul do? What does it look like to follow Jesus and live according to gospel convictions in that situation? What does it look like to live like church family in that church, in that situation? Well, it seems that Paul felt the right thing to do not just under Roman law, but as a Christian, was to write this letter. So he wrote Philemon, and he sent it with Onesimus back to Philemon. 
Okay? I think we can picture the scene. Close your eyes for a second if that's what helps you kind of picture the scene. Tychicus has arrived in Colossae with his letter to the Colossians. So here's Tychicus with his letter to the Colossians. And he manages to find the church. In this big city, he finds the church. He walks through the doors. And with him is Onesimus carrying this letter to Philemon. Hi, everyone. It's Tychicus. I've come from Paul in Rome. I've got a letter for all of you. And I've come with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother. And he's one of you. He's from Colossae. You can imagine Philemon's jaw dropping before it starts to clench. I wonder what Philemon would have thought to himself at that moment when he sees Onesimus walk through the door. Onesimus, that useless, thieving, runaway slave. I can't believe he's dared to show his face back here. Did Tychicus just call him a brother? And then Onesimus walks up to Philemon and says, Philemon, my master, I know I ran away, but Paul has sent me back to you with this letter. Please read it. So we've set the scene. But hang on a second. Philemon is a good, godly gospel guy. He'd be an elder if he were here. And a slave owner. Yes, he was. And that can sit very uncomfortably for us today. So before we get to the actual content of the letter, it's worth thinking for a couple of minutes about slavery in the Bible. I think, I think it's just worth thinking about what does the Bible have to say. So three key thoughts. The biblical case, the biblical nuance, and the biblical change. Follow me here if you can. Actually, you all can. They're very simple. Firstly, the biblical case. There is a clear biblical case that what we think of as slavery, the owning, exploiting, and abusing of other human beings, is wrong, is a sin. Slavery in the Roman Empire was a bit different to the, what we think of, uh, the, the, the race-based transatlantic slave trades. But both the Old and the New Testaments in the Bible, both of them condemn man-stealing. And it teaches us that every person is made in the image of God. So we don't need to apologize for the Bible. It's the Bible that gives us unshakable moral grounds to stand on so that we can confidently declare that owning, exploiting, and abusing fellow human beings, what we think of as slavery, is wrong. The second is the biblical nuance. Let's acknowledge the awkwardness we feel because the New Testament, it doesn't endorse slavery, but it doesn't condemn it either. The Bible doesn't say exactly what we want it to say the way we want it to say it, and we find that really hard at times. And when Paul wrote to Philemon, slavery was just taken as a fact of life, a normal part of society. But the third key point, the biblical change. Because the gospel completely changes how Christians see other people. Particularly, if Christians see each other as God's family, then what did that mean for the relationships between Christian slaves and Christian slave owners? Well, that's exactly what this letter to Philemon helps us think about. If you want to think about this more, um, Glenn Scrivener's written a book called The Air We Breathe. 
chapter 7 on freedom, very helpful, very accessible on this topic. I, I do recommend it. Okay, now, okay, we thought about slavery, back into Philemon. And so for the rest of our time, we're going to look at the opening seven verses. If you've closed your Bible, keep it open again, page 1200, it's all on one page. So, Philemon is a good, godly, gospel guy. He's just been handed this letter by Onesimus, his useless, thieving, runaway slave. And he opens it. Let's see if I can open it. He opens the letter. He finds a letter from Paul. And he reads it. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Did you notice the humility in Paul's opening? He's not Paul the Apostle. He's Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's in prison for talking about Jesus. But he sees himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's been conquered by the love, the kindness, and the grace of the Lord Jesus. And he's now a willing captive to God, his Savior. Faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. For Paul, he related with humility. What a wonderful way for a church leader to think about himself. Isn't it wonderful when we see church leaders who think about themselves like that? with humility, who behave with humility? Isn't that the kind of humility we'd love to see in others? Maybe a question is, is that the kind of humility we want to show ourselves? Okay. Did you also notice Paul's warmth and affection in the start of his letter? Timothy, his companion and assistant, he's our brother. Philemon himself is our dear friend and fellow worker. I think I'd be pretty pleased if my pastor wrote that on my tombstone. Dear friend and fellow worker. That'd be a great epitaph, wouldn't it? But Paul also remembers to greet the other members of Philemon's household. Apphia and Archippus get a special mention. And Paul doesn't neglect to you know, send his regards uh, to the church that meets in Philemon's home. Faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. It changed Paul, how he related, with humility, with warmth and affection. And it carries on with his greeting. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says they have grace, undeserved kindness from God, and they have peace with God. Jesus died on the cross for them. So now God isn't their enemy. God's their father. This is a humble, warm, and affectionate letter. But it's also incredibly personal. And we know that because from verse 4 onward, all the yous become singular. It's for Philemon himself. So I'm going to read um, verse 4 to 7. We're going to add Philemon kind of to help us feel the personal nature. 
I always thank my God as I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers, because I hear about your, Philemon's, love for all his holy people and your, Philemon's, faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your, Philemon's, partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your, Philemon's, understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your, Philemon's, love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, Philemon, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Philemon is a good, godly, gospel guy. Paul keeps hearing about Philemon's love for God's people and faith in the Lord Jesus. Do you notice in verse 7? Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because of the way Philemon refreshed the hearts of God's people. Faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. It changed Philemon. He related with love. If I asked you, All Saints Wandsworth, who here at church really loves God and has faith in Jesus? Who would you say? If I asked the question, who refreshes your heart when you talk to them? Who energizes you to keep following Jesus? Who encourages you and lifts your eyes and your heart to the wonderful Lord Jesus? Who would you say? Go on, take a moment, think. Who would you say? Think in your head. Paul thanked God as he remembered Philemon. Why don't we pause to thank God for the people we just remembered? I'm going to lead us in a little prayer, and then we'll carry on. Lord God and Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us Christian brothers and sisters, including those we've just thought about who encourage us by their faith in Jesus and the way they love us and others of God's people. Amen. That person you've thought about, I think they'd find it so encouraging if you found them after church, maybe at the picnic Linda mentioned, maybe, if they're not here, maybe send them a little WhatsApp or text and say, I prayed and thanked God for you because you encouraged me as a brother or sister in Jesus. Wouldn't that be an encouraging thing to receive? So wouldn't it be an encouraging thing to give? But in verse 6, have a look at verse 6 in the Bible. Paul also tells Philemon he's praying something for Philemon. Remember the situation. Onesimus, Philemon's useless, thieving, runaway slave, has just given him this letter. Now, spoiler alert. So, sorry, Andy, because he's preaching the rest of Philemon. Paul is about to ask Philemon to take Onesimus back and welcome him, not as a thieving, runaway slave, but as a brother in Christ. In fact, in verse 17, middle of the right-hand side, if you consider me a partner, partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Wow. So it's before that radical, revolutionary request, Paul prays this prayer in verse 6. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith 
may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Paul is asking God that the partnership, the fellowship, the spiritual oneness that Philemon has with Paul through their shared belief and trust in Jesus, his death and his resurrection, Paul prays that as Philemon understands what he shares with Paul, it would lead Philemon into a deeper understanding and experience of every blessing he shares with every believer in Christ. He prays that what he shares with what Philemon shares with Paul would be effective, would make a real, lasting, visible, practical change on the way Philemon understands what he shares, not just with Paul, but with every believer, including Onesimus, all because of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's given us. Why does Paul pray this for Philemon? Because if Philemon is going to welcome Onesimus back, then something supernatural has to happen. Humanly speaking, there was no way that Philemon would welcome Onesimus back. In fact, under Roman law, Philemon could have had Onesimus crucified. That's what Onesimus has walked back to, possible crucifixion. But now in Christ, they're brothers. But God needs to work in Philemon's heart so that he sees and feels that spiritual reality. Philemon needs to see and feel that Onesimus is a brother in Christ. Philemon needs to see and feel that Onesimus is a fellow sinner, saved by grace, reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus paid on the cross. Faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. And only faith in Christ will change their relationship from broken master-slave to loving brothers. How does Paul ask Philemon to take back Onesimus? Come back next week for part two. But today, let's take a moment to think about how this part of God's word changes us. Now, when I teach kids on Sunday, so kids, maybe you know this from your Sunday groups as well, heads, hearts, hands. Okay, what does this bit of the Bible say for my head? How should I think? What about for my heart? How should I feel? What about my hands? How should we behave? What should I do? Now, I don't want to ignore our hands because our faith in Christ should lead to a real, tangible change in the way we live. But these opening seven verses from Philemon... They're going after our heads and our hearts. Because church can be messy and difficult, can't it? If you're not a Christian or you're just new to church um, or new to All Saints, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome from me, although I won't be here for the rest of the summer. Um, But let's not pretend church is full of shiny, perfect people. Church is full of normal people, messed up people, broken sinners. We're not very special but Jesus is. Please keep coming back. Keep keep finding out more about Jesus. And I hope that you find that the church family here, bit by bit, week by week, that they are being changed by Jesus into kinder, more loving people. 
But if you're a Christian, and you, or you've been part of church for a while, you'll know that there are difficult characters. People who hurt us. And bad news, sometimes we hurt other people too. Sometimes deliberately. Usually accidentally. I know that I can often find myself so busy with my life, my jobs, my success, my tasks, my to-do lists, my walk with Jesus, that I can end up neglecting others around me in the church family. And being neglected hurts. There's a reason why neglect is a form of abuse. But faith in Christ completely changes how we relate to other Christians. And so this letter from Paul to Philemon about Onesimus challenges us today to get down on our knees and pray. To pray Paul's prayer for Philemon for ourselves. To ask God to deepen our understanding of the gospel. That we would understand better every good thing that we share in Christ. That we might effectively, actually, practically grow in love for other believers. Are you finding a particular relationship in church hard at the moment? It doesn't matter how old we are. Young, old, big or little. Are there people we struggle to get on with? Maybe there's some bad history. Maybe they said something in the past. Maybe we said something in the past. And it still stings. There are lots of things which may help your relationship. Including saying sorry. But can I encourage you to start by praying? Pray that you would understand every good thing that you both share in Christ. Pray that you would see them as a dearly loved brother or sister in Christ. Whom the Father loves for whom Jesus died and in whom the Holy Spirit is at work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to you as brothers and sisters and call you Father. And we pray that our partnership here at All Saints within Commission would be effective in deepening our understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Please help us particularly to understand what we share, even with those who've hurt us in the past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.